you know that I pray every night that he would escape. Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. My brother killed my sister when she was 17. How'd he do that? With a really big, sharp kitchen knife. Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Third commercial, it's still on, please. Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop, stop, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Not my best sign-in impersonation. That's what happens when I do it a little too last minute. Oh, oh well. <clears throat> so, yeah, I am Jake the Steak. Episode 196 of The Unholy Mofos. Alongside, as always, with Brother Scott. That was a terrible impersonation. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, uh, the reason for that impersonation is because of the subject of today's episode. Well, we got some really mind-bending psychological thrillers today, both which have creeped me out in the past, and, well, Scott is a version to both these flicks, too. Yeah. Though that should be interesting to see what happens today, what the thoughts are. I guess you figured, yeah, we are in the middle of Halloween season, and, and believe it or not, we still have one more to go. And yeah, thank God, because I don't know, man. I really not felt Halloween-y to me this month. Has it to you? No, not really. But, uh, you know, it's I think Fear Fest is one big issue this year. And it's just they keep running down the same damn movies, like, from the first two weeks. 
Yeah. It's like, what's the point of watching it, you know? Yeah, my my issue has been, like, the weather. I mean, well, last week, it got up to, like, 87 degrees. It's just like, oh, come on. That's the October weather. And, well, as I just told Scott as we were uh, first calling each other, well, we got fucking snow today here in Iowa. Well, sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do remember we got uh, <clears throat> that kind of weather around Halloween week last year, too. Uh, my first word when I looked outside were, so it begins. <laughs> what other surprises do you have for us this year, 2020? About movie theaters reopening in my area Friday? Mm, maybe we should get to that part later. <laughs> first of all. Let's talk about some girls. Alright, well, uh, we've got two winners and we've got two ties. So, Jake, you know the deal. I do. So, first off, we have a winner against Amy Joe and Zazie Beats. Amy Joe wins four to nothing. Oh wow, that was quite a shocker. I know. I mean, I figured Zazie would get something. Well, she didn't, Jake. <laughs> and uh, in the next one, we have a tie between Rosario Dawson and Mila Kunis. Okay. So <clears throat> let's see. I would pick. One to three for Rosario, and four to six for. Oh, oh shit! I'm blanking already. Who's the other Mila. one? Mila. Uh, I I just woke up a half hour ago. People, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an early show today. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> roll a dice. What? Oh, come on. Okay, let's try that again. Hopefully she's a lot more cooperative. Roll a dice. Rolling. It came up six. All right. Mila wins. All right. So Mila wins three to two. Um, Next tie we have is Allison Bree against Linda Hamilton. Okay. Uh... Gonna pick one, two, three, four, Allison, and four, five, six, four, Linda. Roll a dice. Cooperate with me. Mm. <laughs> I guess it's too early for <laughs> Siri as well. Roll a dice. What the fuck? Oh, come on. Hey, I don't Siri, know. Roll a dice. Rolling. It's four. Okay. okay. So <laughs> who was that again? That would be for Linda. Alright, so Linda Hamilton is moving on with a victory of three to two. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with my theory today? I, I just don't fucking get it. Who knows? And then uh, we have another victory against Shannon Elizabeth and Jennifer Love Hewitt. I'm pretty sure you could all guess what happened. Shannon Elizabeth won. Or two. 
I saw Balthack voting for Shannon and how. <laughs> and I think somebody else did too I, in the group. I I think it was Nudie. Yeah. yeah I guess I guess it makes sense since she's the one who showed her tits and Jennifer didn't. Alright. Well, that would be the end of round two. Okay. So, now we're moving on to round three. Things are just gonna get Tougher and tougher from here. <sighs> Starting out, it. we've got Shoney Smith against Daniel Harris. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think for this one, I'll just, I think I just might go with Daniel Harris for this one. It's not an easy one, but I'm just going back and forth in my head, and I think I'm just going to settle on Daniel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky one, but, you know, even with the eyebrow, you know, she's, I am going to go there too, you know. Hey, the eyebrow. I like the eyebrow because it makes her look suggestive, like she's giving you that look all the time. That's how I do it. <laughs> Next up, we have Marissa Tomei against Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, let's see. I would say Marissa looks pretty good for her age these days. Uh, Jamie, well, sometimes she does. Look good for her age. I mean, I thought she looked good in the latest Halloween. I don't know, but I think that's one I'm going to have to go with Marissa. You know, I'm going to have to agree again. Uh, I just... She's Aunt May. No. I mean, come on. She's right. a good looking one. <clears throat> the best looking Aunt May we've ever had. <laughs> On to possibly the hardest one of round three. Scarlett Johansson against Alexandra Daddario. Oh. Well. I don't know. Uh, I have more of a crush on Alexandria than Scarlett, so... Maybe it's an unpopular opinion or not, but I go with Alexandra. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. Well, I honestly expected a little bit of a split with that. You know, I mean, Scarlett, she's a good-looking lady. Well, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this one ended up being a tie by next episode. This is probably one of the uh, the toughest matchups of like the entire tournament. Yeah, indeed it is. Next up is going to be very easy for Jake. Jillian Anderson against Catherine Isabel. Catherine! And we have a split. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jillian too, but again, gotta go with the crush factor with this one for me. Well, would you like a preview of next time? Hit me with it. Well, we're going to have Jessica Alba against Elizabeth Banks. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Zoe Zeldana against Christina Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Amy Jo against Mila Kunis. Okay. And Linda Hamilton against Shannon Elizabeth. Okay. Mm, yeah. Gonna have to think of most of these as well. Hmm. All right. That is the end of that segment. What do you say we move on to the next one? Let's do it. What do you got for us? I have a movie conspiracy. Okay. So this revolves around the movie Signs. Uh Uh-huh. So the theory is that the aliens in Signs are actually demons. Yes, now, I, I know. I know what you're thinking. Let's let's get into it first. Well, I I was gonna say I have heard of this one before. So uh, what are the signs that they are demons? No pun intended. Honestly, I really did not mean that. <laughs> so it's weird to think that the mega sci-fi hit Signs, created by Shyamalan, isn't actually about aliens. That's kind of the whole point of the film, right? Well, maybe not. One fan theory gives us the overwhelming evidence that this is, in fact, a film about demons, not aliens. The film centers around a priest who is having a sort of crisis of faith, and because of this, the demons appear to him as tests of faith, just as they appear to an army officer as invading military and to a uh, police officer as troublemakers. The demons reflect each specific person's fears. We never see any alien technology. The only UFO evidence we see is by the children who, again, are projecting their fears, which are being manifested by the demons. Hmm. That's that's a very interesting one. It uh, goes on to continue to say, It makes the death by water, quote-unquote, thing a little less lame, too, seeing as how demons are defeated by holy water. The holy right. water is explained through the priest's daughter, and uh, Bohas, who is referred to as both holy and an angel, she leaves partially sipped glasses of water around the house, essentially leaving holy water in her path, which is eventually used against the demon. Yeah, that would make a little bit more sense than, you know, aliens deciding we're going to invade this planet, which is... Mostly made up of everything we are uh, vulnerable to. I mean, <clears throat> one thing I really thought about the whole water thing with signs is like, you know, possibly the aliens weren't aware that water will damage them. I mean, let's face it. I mean, even if they are like technologically advanced, they can't really know any everything like, say, we went to a planet and discovered some certain element and that harmed us. But, you know, people will still complain about that. And the demon thing, yeah, that does kind of make a little bit more sense. It's just, you know, seems like uh, Shyamalan always has more than meets the eye to his movies. Yeah, I've actually never seen the original signs. I've just seen, you know, Scary Movie 3. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I thought it was really interesting, you know, hearing what, you know, people have said about the movie. 
And then, you know, I, I stumbled across this. I was like, you know, that that is kind of interesting. So. Yeah, well, yeah, we just build a movie for you for when you eventually do watch it. Yeah, it's fine. I've had movies spoiled before. Um, That's about all I have. Yeah, um, I guess that's really all I have, too. Yeah. Eh, maybe just a little bit of football talk. You know, last time we did an episode, uh, my Bears experienced their first loss against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And that was uh, quite a bit of a frustrating game to watch. <laughs> Offense couldn't get anything going whatsoever. But we rebounded a few, a few days oh, later. So fun listening to you complain about a team that actually has wins. <laughs> uh, I was going to get to that in a bit, but yeah. Yeah, still not a good look for most New York teams. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a rough, rough patch since rejoining, you know, the football circle. But of course, the Bears rebounded on Thursday night football against the Buccaneers. <clears throat> And I love how it happened, too. I mean, first of all, yes, we got our first win against Tom Brady, like, ever. Finally defeated the man. Uh, I want to just talk about what happened at the end of the game. Went for it on fourth down, did not make it. And, well, I guess Tom is starting to show his age a bit because, you know, he just looked to their sidelines, held up four fingers. It's like, it, it's fourth down. It's fourth down. Right? Right? I'm like, uh, Tom, you just went for it on fourth down. <laughs> you dumbass. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, probably finally showing his age a bit right there. <laughs> I would be worried if I were the Bucks. <laughs> and uh, you know, one thing I did want to talk about is... Yeah, the Chiefs, uh, they experienced their first loss of the season, too. But, yeah, it doesn't really uh, hurt my uh, prediction for them still making the Super Bowl. Well, they just signed Le'Veon Bell, too. Yeah, that's going to help probably a bit. Hurts one of my fantasy teams, though. I had their rookie running back. I'm like, well, shit. But I've got uh, another team in the AFC I think we should probably look out for. Raiders? No, the Titans. Oh. I don't know. I'm starting to think they might be a legitimate team now. I mean, I was thinking last year was probably a little bit of a fluke for them. But, man, they are stirring out on fire so far this year. You know, even after not practicing for a few weeks due to the fact that probably half the team had COVID, at least tested positive. You know, I mean, they did play the Bills. And, I mean, the Bills, they do have a track record of blowing it big time. Yeah. <clears throat> but I I think they still played all right. You know, yeah. it's, it, I don't know. Yeah. The Bills, I think the Bills are getting there. They're just not quite there just yet. I mean, their offense is improving, but it looks like their defense might have – regressed a bit yeah they started out the season real good and then uh i don't know it it doesn't help i think with them being out there for a really long time which it seems like they were in that game so that might have been one big factor but i don't know 
Yeah, like I said, I think the Bills will get there eventually. I mean, they're they're improving. That's not quite a Super Bowl team just yet, I don't think. I mean, they could be if they tighten up a few things. Maybe add like I don't know, like a real stud star defensive player. Yeah, it's just then, going to probably depend what they do this off season. Yeah, I mean, they they brought in Diggs, which is a huge grab, because he's, like, leading the league in, like, receiving yards. Right. And I was I was so glad I picked him up in fantasy. I was like, I have a serious inclination that he is going to have a big year. Mm. And nobody fucking believed me. Yeah, it really sucks. It? it just seems like every year for fantasy, I ended up picking up Diggs. But this is, like, the first year I didn't intend yeah, especially considering I'm in five different leagues this year. I didn't even think of picking him up. I, I don't know what the fuck happened there. It is what it is, you know. People can't, uh, people thought uh, he wasn't going to have a good year. You know, people doubted him, but you know what? I stuck with him. I just hope the Bills will just still keep leading the their division, too. Still ahead of the Patriots. Uh, I got a feeling this week uh, might hurt that a bit because Bills are playing the Sheets tomorrow. Yeah, one of the games that's uh, gotten moved around in the last few weeks. Were they supposed to play on Thursday? Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. but it was oh. just because of the fact that they played a Tuesday night game. Yeah, yeah I've got I was. There. I was curious about that. I was like, I was trying to find a game on Thursday. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There's not a game on. Is there a game on Thursday? I was so confused. And the Patriots play the Broncos today. And yeah, Broncos are kind of looking shitty this year. No offense, Dan. Is Cam Newton back out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I'm just watching something on ESPN talking about him. Okay, I, I fucking I heard he got reinstated, and then like I I thought I saw another thing saying that he was taken back out. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was it was like a big big thing, and I was just like, yeah, confused. Yeah, so a little confusing so far about this whole uh, you know players getting COVID thing. They're like, are they playing? Or are they not? Are they playing this day or this other day? Yeah, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, Cam is still being Cam, and he's, you know, he's 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 out a lot, and that's, right. that's what he's good at. Yeah, just wish it could be for a different team. <laughs> From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Yeah, there's a, just kind of a little bit of news. Uh, well, there's a rumor going around that for Spider-Man 3, we got Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield cast a movie for that multiverse. But yeah, Sony that was squashed. Just, yeah, they squashed that like instantly. Then again, oh, you know, no. you would want to get on top of that if it was true, because, you know, as a studio, you don't want that kind of getting out there. Yeah, I guess, yeah. be a hell of a lot better if it was a, more of a surprise. And then again, I think in this day and age, especially with the internet, it's 
really hard to keep the prizes from movies. You know, something's always going to fucking leak out there. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I'm not big on surprises, you know? I like to know things. Well, you know, hey. I mean, all right, some some surprises are good. Like, you know, the, the end game, you know, the, you know, Infinity War and end game, you know, the trailers, they lied to us a little bit. And, yeah. You know, it, it, that was good. <clears throat> and what about you know, the I, uh, surprise of uh, J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man Home? Uh, I, Home. I knew that one going in. Yeah, I didn't, and yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that was when I was in Florida that, that movie came out. So I, I was like a week or two after you know it came out, going to see it. Oh, okay. So like I, I already knew about that going in. I was I was looking out for it though. I was like, where is it gonna be? Because I didn't read where it was. A little bit of a heartbreaker is you realize this is the weekend that Halloween Kills would have come out originally. Well, one uh, good thing is, um, you know, Blumhouse, they said even, you know, if theaters are still closed next year, it will be coming out. Yeah, that's, that's what I was uh, going to lead into. Yeah, well, we'll have, we'll have to see. I mean, that's a full year we're talking about, and yeah, who knows, uh, things will probably change by then. You know, as much as I want to see it around Halloween time, the film is done. It's ready. I want to watch it. <laughs> Well, so many other movies are done and just waiting to be released. But uh, I've always said, like, maybe they can just use all this time to just uh, go back and, you know, re-edit, fucking redo scenes and fucking try to make it as good as you can. Yeah, try to make them as close to perfect as possible. Fix, you know, CGI and stuff like that, because... I know uh, a lot of these movies with terrible CGI, it's because, you know, they don't have the time to perfect it. Go in and fix the CGI, peoples. <laughs> and, uh, let's see, Kevin Smith working on a mall rat stew. I, I could have sworn this is, like, something he's been talking about forever and ever. In fact, yeah. I just remember, like, uh, going to see Jason Mewes. I think it was five years ago now at Wizard World Comic Con as he was talking about how it was coming. Well, again, five years ago. So, yeah, yeah this is... I, I saw some tweets from like Seth Rogen saying, like, you know, yeah, I've got scripts that I've been writing since like 2016. It's been rewritten about 116 different times. And like, you know, I mean... I can understand a big movie like that, you know, having to be rewritten that many times. But, I mean, it takes me a couple months to write a script. And then, like, it doesn't take doesn't take fucking years to write a script. It really doesn't. Like, uh, my, my buddy Mike, he's been on the show before. Yeah. He has told me, like, there's a, a quote from Stephen King. He said, you can only do so many edits to something before you just have to put it out there because you just, you'll only make it worse. Like, you can only edit something so much before it's just like, you have to, you know, put it out there. Of course. I think, you know, there's probably a lot of studio interference with these uh, factors that in. Damn studios. And, uh, let's see, there's talk of, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles remake coming with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. 
I nope. can kind of see uh, Will Smith kind of being in that Steve Martin role a bit. Kevin Hart, I'm not sure he's a suitable replacement for Candy at all. I, mean, I don't want it. I mean, probably one of the greatest things about that movie is just like, oh, well, it was fucking hilarious. We also got some well, pretty uh, dramatic parts, especially from Candy. We found out just how human his character is. You know, he's just not a uh, dumb old goofball. He's, well, uh, got a troubled past as well. And I'm not sure I can see Kevin Hart pulling that off, honestly. Yeah, if anybody's suited for that, it'd be more Will Smith. Because he's done, you know, the dramatic stuff. Kevin Hart's a comedian. Just not so sure about this one. And, well, last thing I pulled off is, uh, oh, why Paul W.S. Anderson created the Alice character for the Resident Evil movies. That's basically what he says is, hey, I want a strong female character, strong female lead. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of those in the Resident Evil games. They were already right there, Paul. Uh, no, you have to create a whole different character and then just give her weird powers that have nothing to do with the original games, I think. Yeah, I think he really he just, fucked up that franchise. I think he just wanted an excuse to get his wife in the movies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Of course, he, they released a trailer for his new movie, Monster Hunter, this week. Haven't watched it yet, and haven't played the games. So I was like, hmm, wonder how he's going to fuck these up. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I mean, it's not really a subject that really interests me. I mean, I never played the game. I never, you know, I was, I was not into that stuff. So, I mean. It's ain't the 90s anymore, Paul S.W. You're... You're not uh, as good anymore. I mean, the 90s where he did the <clears throat> Mortal Kombat movie, which is probably his only good video game adaptation, and Event Horizon. But uh, ever since Event Horizon, it's been a little downhill for him. <laughs> good lord. What are you watching? Well, let's see. I have been watching a lot of The Simpsons. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been watching you know a lot more uh, YouTube and stuff like I've been watching like a this new game came out it's I forget what it's like phasmophobia or whatever and like you know a lot of the YouTubers I used to watch they were playing it it's it's like a ghost hunting game like where you actually you know you talk to the ghosts and you uh-huh. know, try to get responses and stuff and <laughs> basically you're trying to find out what kind of ghost it is before it kills you. Yeah. It's it's really fucking funny, you know. Just, you know these guys get scared <laughs> out of their wits sometimes, and like while you're watching it, and you know the jump scares happen. It's just like, yeah, okay, I, I could see that coming, you know. Like for us horror fans, <laughs> it's funny. But uh, I, I definitely check that game out. It's it's pretty interesting. What's the name of it uh, again? It's Phasmophobia, I think. Okay. I, it's a lot of fun. Plus, uh, they were playing a lot of this game called Fall Guys, or not Fall Guys, uh, Among Us. And, oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's been some pretty funny gameplay to watch. Yeah, uh, one guy about been, that one. One guy I've been watching, you know, CNNers. He came back to YouTube. You know, his fucking dolphin giggle is hilarious. <laughs> uh, I checked that video, his videos out. Those are those are pretty funny. 
Yeah, other than that, like, I haven't been watching Fear Fest. Like, all they're doing is just, you know, showing the same fucking movies. You know, I saw some of the uh, fucking Insidious 1, 2, 3, The Conjuring, and fucking all the Halloween movies. And it's just, it's the same goddamn movies for, like, the first three weeks in a row. And, like, it's like, you know, I've seen it already. I've seen, you know, a bunch of movies already, like, a million times. So it's like, I, I don't want to watch it again like on tv with commercials <laughs> i don't know it's just I'm, I, this week is kind of looking promising you know with some new stuff and uh you know i'm probably gonna get a little bit back into it but uh you know with the the next you know yesterday today and tomorrow the fucking call of duty cold war beta is out so i'm gonna be playing a bunch of that too so that's about it. Well, here's what I managed to watch the last few weeks. I watched 13 Ghosts, which I believe was one of those Fear Fest movies. Yep. And, uh, well, I got my uh, Screen Factory Friday the 13th box set, and I've only watched the first one so far, but, yeah, looking good so far. Uh, need to, I think I need to start watching it a little bit more, because apparently some discs aren't uh, perfect, and, well, Screen Factory is... Uh, Giving out uh, free uh, replacements, so I probably should check those out, just in case. You think if I emailed them and said, like, you know, I've got some, you know, all my discs are fucked up, they'd send it to me? (laughs) I I don't know. I am not paying fucking over $100 for a Blu-ray box set of movies I've already got. Like, my DVDs are perfectly fine. Well, hey, you get the uncut version of... uh, of the first two movies. And well, I could just fucking watch those scenes online. I, I don't know if I've ever seen, like, the uncut version of the first one. Like, you know, it's a bunch of things I know. It's, like, really lingers on the shot of when Annie gets her throat cut in the, in the early part of the movie. And, yeah, we see a lot more of Kevin Bacon's death. Yeah, I was watching the fucking the first one on Fear Fest and, like, they completely cut out the kill. I was like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> yeah, I'm so uh, pissed. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's why I prefer to watch movies on you no know, DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, rewatched. I, if they release like a 4K box set with everything, I would consider getting it. But, I mean, it's a Blu-ray box set. Ugh. I mean, Blu-ray's a little bit outdated at this point. Yeah, well, I do have 4K scans of the first four movies at least yeah i just wish it's close enough i I really want my fucking dawn of the dead 4k box set i think it got delayed till next year for some reason oh yeah that's just you bring that up i i realize i haven't heard about that in a while yeah I, i think they said that uh it was getting delayed till like early next year a while ago i i really don't remember it's something i'm gonna have to look into because I know it was supposed to be coming out, like, any day now. Like, it, it was supposed to be out in October of this year, and I just pre-ordered it. Where is it? I want it. God damn it. Okay, some re-watches I did. Uh, Terrifier, Witchboard, The Invisible Man, Unnameable, Christine, The Omen, Night of the Demon, not Night of the Demons, Night of the Demon. It's a, actually an older movie. Uh, Pumpkinhead, House on Haunted Hill, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which 
was another uh, Fear Fest showing. And you, you know what a, a Fear Fest movie that was on that I watched for the first time? The Orphan. Have you oh, wow. seen that? Yeah, I have seen it. Not for a while, though. That was a lot different than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that was a serious twist in that movie. Right? I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet, but maybe we'll do a show on it someday. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it. And, you know, there are some watches I made the, on Fear Fest and Fear Forms that, well, I didn't get around to watching all of them, but I watched a little bit of them. Like, they were showing uh, one of the Final Destination movies. Or something. And, uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Beetlejuice. And it always seems like, you know, I'm watching those whenever I'm at the girlfriend's place, and always seems that I leave right around the same time at the same point of the movie, just pretty much after Beetlejuice attacks everybody, uh, the snake creature. But, uh, yeah, after watching that movie, like, hmm, I think we definitely need to do that for the show sometime. Yeah, it's a good Keaton movie. Yeah, yeah I enough. know. You, you sent me that right when, I, right when I was about to go to bed. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget time zones sometimes. <laughs> uh, one newer watch. Well, they released a sequel to The Babysitter, a Netflix film that came out a few years ago, and finally got a sequel, The Babysitter Killer Queen. I gotta say, it was pretty solid. Oh, uh, we get some returning characters, especially some characters who actually died in the first movie, but of course, through the power of Satan, they are back. And it's just as funny and just as gory as the original. So, I would say if you enjoyed that first one, I would definitely check this one out. Yeah, that I think that's it. And just prepare for next time, because I've got a full week vacation next week. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Who knows how much I'll fit in there. I mean, we're coming on the home stretch for Halloween, so and I still haven't watched much of the classic ones. <laughs> I have I've watched pretty much all of them, thanks to Fear Fest. Shining, Exorcist, <clears throat> Halloween, Friday. The only one I haven't really watched is Nightmare on Elm Street. I say it's time we begin, and I think this is a first in quite a while, but my movie is first. Oh, it just feels like a hell of a lot lately. I've been going second. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the first time, the last time you went first. Okay, so we'll take a break, put in a music selection. I'm thinking putting in some Rolling Stones because it does fit with the movie. And then we, be- we will be back to talk about Stir of Echoes. Black. 
somebody yeah do me no come on what's the worst that can happen close your eyes why do i know that song <laughs> are you okay what the hell did she do to me He sleeps like 12 hours a night. Why are you digging? The man's switch got flipped. He's a receiver now. She's taking him away. She was here. What's the problem? I see people turn their heads and quickly look away. Like a newborn baby, it just happens every day. Don't be afraid of it, Daddy. I look inside myself and see my heart is black. He can't stop it. He can't slow it down. He can't even figure it out. No! Whatever door you open in my mind, I want you to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And we are back. Dura of Echoes came out September 10th, 1999. A 7.0 on IMDb. Uh, 
directed and written by this guy named David Kep. Well, he's a uh, well, he's quite a writer. Most of his writing credits include the first Spider-Man, the first Mission Impossible, and the first Jurassic Park. Oh, look at this! So oh, one of his uh, screenwriting credits is the uh, Tom Cruise Mummy movie. Oh well, they can't all be winners, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you could try. And of course, this is uh, based on a novel written by Richard Matheson. And, uh, yeah, that's a familiar name. We just did movies based on works he did, like, well, a few months ago with I Am Legend. And yeah. I have I have read that novel, well, listened to the audiobook of it, and uh, it was years ago. I remember a slight bit of differences, and I pulled up, like, an article on online about the differences between the movie and a book. Let's just say uh, this is uh, quite loosely based on that novel. Same basic premise, just a lot of things different. And the cast, well, we've got Kevin Bacon. Yeah, speaking of him earlier, and uh, got some recognizable faces in here, like a uh, uh, chick who plays uh, his sister-in-law, Lena Douglas, I think that's uh, yeah, she's been in quite a few movies, like uh, Cape Fear, the one with De Niro, and Kevin Dunn, well... If you don't know the name, you know the face. He's been in quite a few movies. Yeah, he was uh, Shia LaBeouf's dad in the first few Transformers movies. Yeah, he was in uh, Small Soldiers as well. Oh, yeah, he was. And uh, his wife in this movie, I was like, man, he she looks familiar. The uh, wife was a total butter face. I'm talking about uh, the Kevin Dunn character's wife. And then I looked it up on IMDb. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, you've seen Fifty First Dates, the Ann Sandler one, right? I've seen parts of it. Yeah, if uh, you heard of this character, this woman, weird-looking woman with a really uh, tight bund hairdo. Yeah, that's a chick. Yeah, like I said, uh, she's quite a, a bit of a butterface. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we begin this movie, little boy named Jake. Hey, that's a good name. He's uh, in the bathtub talking to somebody where... I guess we're assuming it's an imaginary friend. I mean, he's right around that age. And, well, he has a question for this uh, friend of his. But, uh, you know, his dad, Kevin Bacon, comes and, you know, drawing him up and about to put him to bed. And just right as dad walks away, you know, Jake looks back at the camera at his friend and says, Does it hurt being dead? And, uh... Yeah, that's where this movie begins. And so, yeah, we get a little bit more character of Tom meeting with his wife, Banky, and his sister-in-law, Lisa, who's, uh, I guess, a little bit of a psychic. And she guesses that, well, Maggie is pregnant. And they all lead off to a big old party. This is like uh, the area they live in. It's like a you know, big old Chicago suburb area. You know, of houses close together. I mean, it just seems like everybody's pretty close. Big old block party going on at this house. And, uh, you know, things are going crazy at this party. Like, well, we meet a bunch of these characters. And, like, Harry, who's a landlord. Uh, Frank and, oh, this other guy named Lenny. Who's, uh, we don't see much of, but we can kind of tell this guy's a bit of an asshole. <laughs> and, well, we have just the guys being typical guys. And, in fact... They get one part where Frank, he's uh, caught by his wife checking out uh, a little bit of a younger lady, checking her out in the chef area. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after a while, a bunch of the uh, party goers leave and it's just this small group left. And they start talking with Lisa about, you know, hypnotism, you know, how it works and all. And I was just curious, have you ever been hypnotized, Scott? No. 
Yeah, I have before. I mean, obviously, it's not quite as like uh, it is in some of these movies. I mean, you're not going to get hypnotized and be like, okay, you have to go kill people now. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, you have to be you have to want to be hypnotized. And, uh, you know, it's weird. I mean, you're kind of aware what's going on, but, you know, you're still able to do these weird things they tell you. Again, if you're willing to. Well, Tom is, like, not a believer in this, but he agrees to get hypnotized by her. So she uh, starts to put him down, hypnotizing him, and it's a really cool sequence. Like, I, uh, we just see, oh, like, she's uh, telling him to imagine these things, and, of course, he starts imagining, and then when she you know, adds, like, certain things, like, you're in a theater a movie theater an empty one and of course you know it starts out as a usual type of theater you know you go see plays up then it changes to a movie theater and then the audience disappears and then the whole place turns black and then he just sees the words on the screen saying sleep and then he just slowly goes towards there and of course uh one thing about this movie is i have kind of tried to like hypnotize myself with this sequence right here they really prepare you to not get hypnotized by the scene by adding a really uh big music sting her right afterwards <laughs> and uh well tom gets a few visions and wakes up to a bunch of people laughing at him yeah we learned what he, he was doing while he was under like apparently started crying about it old school bully of his called joey luca and his friend frank's like yeah he started bawling it was so hilarious and his wife nudges him he's like oh but it was very very touching hmm. <laughs> even got the little pin needle right through his hand to too which we see lee a little later a stuntman was able to do that uh, i've seen people who did that with their hands before while pierce the webbing of their hands with needles and i saw a guy get a really nasty infection in his hand because of that yeah that guy wasn't so bright if you haven't figured that out <laughs> that uh i don't know why you would do something like that yeah, so a little later, Tom is in bed with Maggie, and he's starting to get more of these visions, and, well, just right in the middle of the night, Maggie decides she's horny, so she rolls over and gets on top of him. It's going well, but uh, I'm guessing Tom's boner is kind of killed because he's getting more of these visions. Like, it seems to be of a girl getting attacked, and, oh, uh, <laughs> we get a little bit of fingernail right here, like a fingernail being broken on a hardwood floor <laughs> anytime we saw anytime that came upon the screen last night i used my notebook to cover up the screen i i cannot stand that shit at all <laughs> so he gets up goes to the bathroom and in the bathroom he actually pulls out one of his teeth and of course it turns out that part was a vision as well he goes downstairs and just uh Watch some TV to get his mind off things, but, you know, once he leans back in the chair, well, we give a little bit of a jump scare here, because there's a ghost girl right next to him. Ooh. The next morning, and as a job where he's like a phone lineman, he ends up calling Maggie and asking her what the hell she did to him. And, well, she gave him a little bit of a post-hypnotic suggestion. You know, people will do this like to make sure they quit smoking and all that, but... What she put in his mind is to be more open-minded. 
And uh, yeah, I'm not sure this is what she had suggested, but this is what ended up happening. And uh, well, back at home, you know, Maggie's trying to look for a babysitter, you know, when they're going to a football game a little later that week. But we get more of Jake talking to his quote unquote imaginary friend. After talking with the friend, he looks over and he's like, hey, call Debbie. Mom, when Mama asks, how do you know about Debbie? He says, Samantha told me. And well, before she can even ask who the hell Samantha is, she answers the phone. Oh, a little bit suspicious right there. Well, here comes the night of the babysitter. And you know, once Tom opens up the door to uh, meet Debbie, just immediately a red flash comes across the screen. And uh, we get a little bit more of these red flashes. More and more Tom looks at her. Well, they're heading over to the football game. You know, just walking there, I guess, and walking distance. And, oh, man, I just love the setting of this movie because, man, I don't know, there's just something about the atmosphere of high school football games. Um, fall weather? Well, yeah, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that I guess both these movies are kind of slightly Halloween movies, but we only get, like, a quick glimpses of those like we get a halloween decoration i think it's in this scene right here a background and then in the next movie like we see a little bit of a halloween decoration in the background so yeah these movies are uh very subtle halloween time movies i guess on the way walking to the game while his buddy frank's trying to talk to him you know he's just seen more of these red flashes i mean he's just looking at you know the brake lights and the cup flash the cop lights and I was just seeing more red flashes and just has a feeling something is up right here. Well, back at uh, home, you know, Debbie, she's listening to the baby monitor, listening to Jake, and she hears him talking to somebody. So she decides she's going to go up to try to talk to him. Jake mentions the name Samantha and Debbie's like, who's Samantha? Who told you about her? And uh, after a while, well, she ends up picking up Jake and running off with him. And, well, right around that time, Tom realizes it, and he starts running back home with Maggie in pursuit. So they get back to home to find both of them gone. So they go out searching, and turns out these red flashes Tom keeps having are helping him out, leading him to where Debbie has taken Jake. So they all end up in a train station, and uh, they end up uh, grabbing this cop to, like confront debbie and well the reason she brought him to the train station is because her mom works there and she really really wants to know about uh, samantha who is her sister who uh, apparently ran away many months ago but of course debbie's concerned that she did not run away and she was kidnapped after a little bit of an argument well maggie kind of wants to press charges but tom's like no no we don't have to no so they get back home and you know they start talking to jake's like why did you want debbie and they keep asking him and then at this point jake says oh, don't ask the boy any more questions turns around and in a very very completely different voice says talk to me major what the fuck moment right there <laughs> especially to tom <laughs> i i don't know if uh maggie quite heard it i mean she seems to have a little bit of a reaction and all but i, I don't know, they don't really make it clear 
if she heard it or not. Uh, nah, I think she thinks that Tom's just going crazy. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Tom just keeps trying to uh, make Jake talk in that voice again. But of course, Jake has no idea what he's talking about. And you know, even brings him back down to the couch where he saw a ghost of Samantha a few nights ago. And no dice. It's the next day. There's a huge block party going on. Maggie is crying to Lisa about everything that's going on. And, yeah. <laughs> Lisa's trying to bring just a little bit of humor into the conversation. She's like, well, I guess I'm not surprised there's another woman, but I didn't ex- expect she'd be dead. And, well, we get Harry talking to somebody, and then Tom comes up to him and is like, hey, what do you know about Samantha Kozak? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's that girl that ran away. And, well, that lady guy comes up, he's like, oh, yeah, you mean the retard, right? <laughs> He keeps, like, emphasizing the fact that, uh, more PC way, she was, like, kind of, uh, mentally disabled, but, you know, he just says, retard, right? Retard, retard! Yeah, and, uh, well... That's not acceptable! (laughs) Well, Harry brings in his son, and, uh, eventually brings in, uh, Frank, and they're like, hey, yeah, you've heard of Heard of Samantha girl. What do you think happened to her? Oh, yeah, she totally ran away. And Lenny keeps saying retard. And Frank's like, hey, don't say that. And he tries to go up and confront him. And, well, some guys playing little catch football end up running into him. And big old brawl breaks out right in the middle of this block party. A little while later, Tom's waking up from a nap. And he's getting up to put his shoes on. Can't seem to find one of them. So he looks under the couch and there it is and he goes upstairs there's a note from maggie saying she and jake went to the park he goes downstairs and he meets up with frank who's looking pretty sullen saying they were going to kill you you and maggie he goes outside and he's like trying follows him trying to ask him well why would you say that and he's like this is a decent neighborhood after a while tom ends up walking down the block you know just seeing some things like a dog and a male lady ends up walking into Frank's home where his son Adam is. And Adam has a gun. He's kind of freaked out by it. And, and then Adam says, well, this will really freak you out. Points a gun towards him and blam! And it turns out that was a dream. But once he wakes up from that dream, things are kind of looking a little familiar. He's trying to put his shoes on. Can't find them. And he's like, don't be under there. Ah. That shoe was under the couch. Goes upstairs to find the note from Maggie about her and Jake going to the park. Well, he goes downstairs. No sign of Frank's. So that seems to be uh, looking good, right? Well, he starts walking out the block. He's seen the familiar dog, the familiar male lady. And once he gets close to Frank's house, he hears gunshot. He breaks in to find Adam down. They end up calling the ambulance and they end up taking Adam away while his parents come home freaking out. Everyone's watching, including... Tom, Maggie, and Jake, and, well, Maggie decides she's going to take Jake for a little bit of a walk, just to get things off their mind. Well, yeah, it's funny. I want to point out, I like how, like, everybody in this movie is oblivious to gunshots. Yeah. Like the sound. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a good point. I mean, kind of seems like Tom was the only one who was reacting to that. Oh, my God, a gunshot. Yeah, okay. especially in a very nice suburban Chicago town. <laughs> During their walk, they end up walking past a uh, cemetery, and, well, Jake's drawn to this. So they go in where there's a funeral for a police officer being done. And, well, 
One of these police officers who's in line doing the salutes turns around, knows the Jake, and waves to him. Well, uh... After a while, Jake and Maggie are exploring more of this cemetery, and this this black cop ends up following them, and he seems to have a little bit of a connection with Jake. You know, seeing he's creepy at all. Like he's noticing Jake kind of has a gift, uh, a gift he has, and uh, the gift of the shining. <laughs> I was trying to ask, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, this cop named Neil, who we learned from Jake. You know, before he even told anybody his name, tells Maggie that he knows that Tom has a little bit of a gift, too, and says uh, to tell him to come to his place a little later. And then he adds in, uh, yeah, and uh, Stephen King or Stanley Kubrick call. Uh, we totally did not steal this idea from them. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that night, well, Tom's playing on a guitar, and... Well, Jake comes up to him and, well, rearranges his uh, hands a bit to have him play a certain tune. The tune is sounding very familiar to Tom. Maggie, she didn't tell Tom about Neil because she decides she wants to get a look for this for herself. So she ends up leaving and he ends up uh, taking a little bit of a knife with her. Well, then she gets to the area, and of course, Neil is just like, hey, what the hell? I said to tell Tom. Well, he tells her everything that he knows, that Tom has a little bit of a gift that was given to him. He compares it to, like, having a flashlight in a dark room. Well, Tom's flashlight, it only comes on once in a while to give him, like, little glimpses. Of course, Jake, he has a very powerful flashlight. He knows about the ghost, and he says that now she's getting very pissed off about uh, Tom not finding out about what the hell she needs, and she's going to get even more pissed off. That night, while Maggie returns home, she's trying to draw a bath for herself while Jake's in the other room watching TV. He's watching this old-school mummy movie. Until Maggie switches it to something a little more kid-friendly. And uh, Tom's downstairs just going through his entire music collection. Trying to see if he can find a song that looks so familiar. And just <laughs> looking through everything. I mean, this is late 90s. CDs were still a thing. And not uh, iTunes people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maggie, she's trying to go back into her bath. And oh, get a very, very nice glimpse at her, at her little booty. The ghost of Samantha comes in and, oh, makes the bath a little cold. So she has to go downstairs well, to the basement to, like, uh, get to the water heater. And all the while, Jake's trying to watch his kid-friendly shows, but Samantha keeps changing it back and forth to Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, know, I, I don't want to watch this. Hey, I prefer Night of the Living Dead to whoever the hell he was watching first, too. Hey. <laughs> Even little cool moment where he just tries to, like, get back by unplugging the TV. But, yeah, I guess Samantha has a powerful enough ghost that uh, she makes the TV not turn off. Well, Maggie ends up bumping her head downstairs, like, after the light goes out. And I just wrote this in my notes. I kind of laughed at it. Just as the lights go out, her reaction to that is, ah, bummer. <laughs> it's like, not shit, fuck, it's bummer. Like, uh, your little kid ain't down there. You can swear, lady. <laughs> right in the middle of Tom's music listening, he's starting to give vision of uh, what the house looked like many months before they moved in because it's kind of a newly built house. You know, so he's seeing, like, the bare room, you know, all the plastic all around. He gets the vision of the ghost of Mansa. Well, they reach out and touch each other and, and Tom's feeling very cold. 
And well, Maggie comes up and sees them, and she shakes them out, and you know, he ends up freaking the fuck out. He wasn't breathing either. Yeah. Now, at this point, he's realizing he needs to go back to Lisa. He's like, hey, hypnotize me again. Get this shit out of my head. She's trying, and well, she even warns him. It's like, uh, yeah, I kind of smoked a little bit, so this is, uh, is kind of weird to me. So she tries hypnotizing him again, putting him back in the movie theater. But the thing is, Samantha is now in these little visions. No matter how hard he tries, he can't get her out. And she ends up, like, attacking him with some plastic on her head. And at least it's telling him to look at the words on the screen. Well, they don't say sleep this time. They say dig. Once. Not weird at all. It's fucking dick. Yeah. Oh, okay. What am I supposed to dig for? So once he wakes up, he says, "I have to dig now." It's the next day. Maggie comes home and well, she's uh, well, she's bringing home some groceries and well, there's a fax machine delivering a fax. Yeah, guys. Again, that's how old this movie is. Well, she doesn't notice at first because well, a lot of things to notice around the house. A lot of dirt on the floors. Fridge is full of orange juice. And then she looks outside and Tom's doing a lot of digging in the backyard, including Jake. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not over there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I have to point that out. He says, you know, the, it's not over there. But what they are supposed to be looking for, as we eventually find out later, is actually closer to where Jake's digging than Tom. And of course, they get in a little bit of an argument. And, you know, Tom's just saying that he believes that he has a purpose in his very lame life. And of course, Maggie says that, you know, you say your lame life, you meet our lame life. She goes back in the house. Tom ends up following her. You know, she's reading this fax so from her brother talking about their grandmother who's in the hospital. And she tells Tom about it. She's like, no, she he stops before he can say anything more. And she's like, what? And right around this time, the phone rings. She answers it. And it's her brother to tell her that their grandma has passed away. He just fucking dips out. No, I, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I mean, hey, would you want to? <laughs> uh, that'd be a tough one. Right? I mean, especially if you uh, kind of uh, uh, psychically can tell it. She goes out to hug him, to uh, cry on his shoulder. And, you know, he asks when the funeral is. And she says, so, yeah, we'll have to leave tonight. It's like, uh, we'll have to leave tonight. And, ooh, yeah, dick move, Tom. <laughs> because, not what you should have said <laughs> oh she freaks out on him and they end up leaving without tom a little bit of progress later he's dug up like almost the entire backyard now he's going full cuckoo for cocoa puffs right and it's just a little cool moment here where he's just like so angry he ends up kicking a bucket and he ends up like kicking it so hard it flies up and Hits this window, like, not exactly second-store window, but, you know, it's, like, high up there. <laughs> Apparently, according to IMDb, it was just a little happy accident. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just kick this bucket. Oh, shit, I broke a window. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the script, you bastard. <laughs> well, he's uh, kind of freaking out about a hose, so he's, like, he's going to go down to the basement for the water, but... Once he's down in there, he's realizing that what he should be digging for is down there. So he's just trying to use a pickaxe to break the floor. No success. 
So what does he do instead? He he goes to a hardware store and buys a fucking jackhammer. Yeah, not suspicious to, at all to the people on the street seeing him dragging a jackhammer into his house. <laughs> he gets this working and yeah, he's uh, quite excited about it, yo, doing a loud scream of excitement as it's on. And Harry the landlord, he's like next house over here and all the noise. He's just like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, on Tubi, the, the closed caption said it was maniacal laughter. <laughs> well, after a while, like, uh, Maggie, she's at a relative's house for the funeral, and she ends up calling Tom, who apologizes, and he's like, hey, yeah, you can come over. And it's like, oh, I can't use a company truck for things like that. Like, I'll, I'll come over and pick you up. He's like, oh, no, no, don't do that. And she's like, oh, yes. And, and she's on her way. And now well, we can see why Tom doesn't want her to come over because a fucking dining room is completely torn apart. <laughs> he was in the basement using the jackhammer. Why the fuck is the... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, after his phone call, he decides he's going to do a little bit more digging. But uh, using the pickaxe a little more, he accidentally swings it and hits this uh, brick wall behind him. And once he hits it, well, a few of the bricks fall down. All this freaking effort, and (laughs) yep, all he had to do was look in that one wall. Well, he knew it was in a general area, so like he just had to search for it. Yep. He removes a few more of these bricks, and there's a little bit of a plastic in there. He moves a plastic to find a uh, mostly decayed body of a teenage girl. As having watched as many horror movies as I have, I really expected that fucking thing to jump. <laughs> I was just I, like, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Where is it? <laughs> I guess I could see that. Yeah. Well, he decides he's going to touch the hand. And get a vision of what happened. And now we get the full story. Samantha, back in March, and you know they even say it's St. Patrick's Day. It's a very snowy March, too. She's passing by this house where Adam and Kurt, the sons of Frank and Harry, they're like right by the in this house, just right as it was getting finished. And oh, they see Samantha and tell her to come in. And oh, you know she's a little confused. At first, it's like, yeah, why do these guys want me to come in? And they go in, and they start, like, uh, kind of flirting with her a bit, and then, well, get a little rapey with her. And just, oh, well, Captain Rapey Facey. Well, she tries fighting back, and, and, of course, these guys are overpowering her, and, uh, you know, one guy ends up turning on a radio to blast, uh, drown out her screams. And, of course, the song playing is Paint It Black. Not by the Rolling Stones, though, but it's a different band. Kind of really wish they used the original, but oh well. And, of course, that is the song that uh, Tom swears he knows. And, of course, some bits of the movie here, Jake kind of humming a bit. Well, during this fight, well, Samantha ends up ripping out a little bit of, uh, I think it's Adam's hair. And, you know, we get a little stuff like, well, when they knocked her out, she fell face first on the floor knocking out one of her teeth you know which is why tom envisioned himself losing his tooth earlier and of course mm, that fucking fingernail oh. <laughs> well why would this guy decide he's gonna silence her by putting plastic over her face which not right move because of course ends up killing her and they're like oh man what the fuck we gonna do now after this vision tom goes back upstairs 
And of course, we see that uh, Kurt was watching him from the basement window. Now he goes back upstairs, goes to visit Frank, and is asking how Adam's doing. He's like, he might make it, might not. He's like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I think I know why he shot himself. So he leads Frank to his house, to the basement, and Frank just keeps asking him, so how, why do you think this is going to lead to them? You, you, you can't prove that. And once uh, Tom points out that she's got some hair in her hands, well, at this point, Frank breaks down. He's like, what we were supposed to do, man? I can't throw away our kid's future over her. At this point, he pulls out a gun and tells Tom to get the hell out of there. And, well, once Tom goes back upstairs, that's where we hear a gunshot. So guess we can assume that Frank shot himself. Well, right around this time, Harry and Kurt, they come around and, you know, just seeming a little suspicious. Harry's coming in and wondering what the hell Tom did to his house. He's like, oh, yeah, I was looking for uh, a water main breaker. After a while, Harry pulls out a gun, tries attacking him. And, well, big old brawl between Harry, Kurt, and Tom. They get him down, almost trying to shoot him. But right around this time, Maggie gets home. And, well, she's... Noticing some suspicious, like noticing the lights going out, so she's going in with her knife prepared. Oh yeah, good lord, I forgot to mention this earlier. And she's about to leave, well, she's almost going to bring Jake, but Jake was like, No, I don't want to go, I'm scared because of the feathers. Before she leaves, well, Jake really makes it apparent that she has to bring her purse. Of course, and the purse was the knife that she grabbed earlier before she was about to meet Neil. Yeah, Jake knows what's up. Harry ends up attacking her, and a little bit of a brawl breaking out. She ends up, like, stabbing Harry in the foot with a knife. And just before Kurt is about to attack them again, well, we find out Frank's actually not dead. He comes back up and ends up shooting Kurt six times! (laughs) And shoots uh, Harry, who ends up falling down, and right as he hits the floor, his gun goes off. Goes right upstairs, right through Jake's room, right through the bed, and right through the pillow, where a bunch of feathers come out. And, well, after those two are dead, he looks over at Frank, and he's like, they're going to kill you, you and Maggie. So that is where the vision came from earlier when he was having that dream, which ended up leading him to Adam shooting himself. And even get more of that was Frank sitting out on the steps saying, you know, this is a decent neighborhood. After that, he looks over, and there's Samantha, and, well, she's no longer a scary-looking ghost. She's a happier-looking one, and she ends up getting her coat and her glasses back and walking off all happily. We get a little bit of a happy music playing while we get visions of Samantha's family finally giving her the funeral she needs, and, well, Tom and family deciding they need to move away from this house. Even little nice moments when him and Waggy walk past each other, grabbing each other's hands. Just to say that, hey, we're all good now. And driving away from the house. Things are looking good. Well, except for Jake, because every house they keep driving past, they're hearing voices. Really creepy voices. One of these voices saying his name very creepily. Jake! (laughs) A little bit of a story. Second time I watched this movie, it was back in my parents' house, and my dad just installed like a surround sound in this room and i'm watching this movie with that surround sound and hearing these really creepy voices pretty much saying your name in surround sound that's gonna drive some chills up your fucking spine (laughs) 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 all right as we roll credits scott what do you think well 
I would say I'm uh, I was very captivated by this movie. It was very interesting. Like it was kind of like The Shining in a way. Like you know, as I was watching it, you know, so you have a lot of like you know vibes of that you know kind of dynamic. Yeah. And not just because and, of the uh, Dick Halloran ripoff character. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's very interesting. You know, it, it seems like uh, it's, I don't know. I think I think Kevin Bacon really did a really good job of playing like a crazy guy in this one because like in the beginning you think you know oh hey he's just a normal dickhead but like you the more you're with him the more you realize hey this guy's suffering from something pretty crazy and it's you know it's taking a toll on him. Let's see. I thought there was something else I wanted to point out but I can't fucking remember what it was. I knew I should have wrote it down. Hmm. Um, you know. I, overall, I I, uh, I enjoyed the movie for you know first time watch, so I'm gonna go uh, pretty good with it. Nice. Well, I remember this movie. I think I watched it when it well came out on video. I, the thing about this movie is that it kind of really bombed when it came out originally because well, it came out late '99 around the same time as another movie called The Sixth Sense about a boy who can see dead people. So yeah. Audience were probably like, "Hey, we just seen this movie. What the hell?" But uh, yo, I watch it again and again. Like, and now it's just become a regular October watch for me. I mean, yeah, I know the mystery is pretty much gone by now. I mean, we know everything that's going on, but it's still interesting just to watch the progression of like his um, you know, psychic abilities and all. Oh, just the more and more he uncovers. And, of course, it seems like the little boy knows a hell of a lot more. But, of course, he's just a little boy. He doesn't understand some things. And, of course, who's going to believe him? Who's going to believe, like, a five-year-old boy like that, right? Imagine if a middle-aged man is starting to have these visions, too. Like, okay, there is something up here. And, God... (laughs) There is just, like, so much creepy imagery in this movie, <laughs> especially that last bit. <laughs> Even nowadays, just hearing those voices say Jake's name like that, like, ugh. Yeah, so. You know, it definitely interests me to see, like, you know, kind of like what Stephen King did with uh, Dr. Sleep, you know, like, if, you know, I know it's probably not possible now, but, you know, like, if Richard Matheson had done, like, a, a continuation of Jake, you know, as an older man, right? You know, kind of like that. I think that could be that could make for a really interesting story. Yeah, well, interesting. You mentioned it because, well, I think it was like in the mid 2000s they did make a sequel to this movie. Uh, of course, it's not very good. It's got Rob Lowe and he's like a uh, guy who's fighting in the Iraq War, ends up being in a coma. And well, the story behind this is that. While he was in a coma, his son and his friends end up finding this uh, guy who seems to be of Middle Eastern descent and killing him just because they're so mad about what happened to his dad. And, of course, the ghost is what's uh, coming to get back at them. And, of course, he sees the visions. But there's one part of the movie he ends up meeting with the grown-up version of Jake. Uh, and Jake in this one is, like, fucking crazy ends up gouging, having gouged his eyeballs out. And what I find so interesting about that is, uh, you know, Jake's much older, like I would say probably mid-20s, and this movie's, I don't know, like the movie's timeline is not very uh, clear. 
we can kind of tell that this first movie's taking place in the late 90s, so we're supposed to assume that this Stir of Echo sequel is like 20 years later, which would be around this time. Well, yeah. Either way, that, uh, that Stir of Echo sequel, not very good. Enough about that, so yeah. And, uh, of course, speaking of Richard Matheson, yeah, the novel is very different. Like, uh, there's not, like, a complete ghost story. It's more about other kind of visions the character of Tom keeps having. Well, one of the major differences is character names. Oh, uh, kid's not even named Jake. In fact, he's actually much younger and is only showing, like, signs that he might have some psychic abilities too and as the uh, the main reveal is well it's about a dead person that's in their basement too but of course this one is like killed by jealous lover of the landlord something like that so yeah like i said it's just very loosely based on the novel it's still a good interesting read i would recommend checking it out and i'm gonna have to check out more richards and masses and stuff yeah so far from you know what i've read and seen for him, you know, he's, he's pretty interesting. You know, I think, you know, if I delve more into it, I think he, he could be up there with, you know, the Michael Crichton and Stephen King. Right. Level. Well, uh, I don't know if I've given my rating for this movie. So if you have figured it out, I'm, I'm definitely going best with this one. I just really fucking love this one. Maybe one of my top ten horror movies of all time. I really wanted to do this movie on this show and glad we finally got around to it yeah you know i was skeptical going in but you know i think it turned out pretty good oh yeah so let's get to the other version watch for you now (laughs) things might get a little interesting (laughs) Uh, song trailer
and I gotta get construction crews in here by Columbus Day, so you got a guess for how long? I've got four really good guys. One week, we're gone. That's fast. I need the job. So the loonies are outside in the real world, and here we are with the keys to the loony bin, boys. <laughs> you might actually want to be grateful, and you're about to make some decent money. What's the catch? Patricia Willard scandal, 1984. I want you to try to remember what happened 24 years ago. Use your imagination. The shrinks figured that with these new techniques they designed, they could release hidden memories. You can hear me. You okay? I want to go home. I wouldn't tell anybody about this. If they find out about Hank, they're gonna find out about the others. We'd have the others. <laughs> I wanna come home. I am so sorry. And we're back. And Jake should have the IMDb for us. I do. Uh, Session 9, it came out, well, it gives the Italy date on the main page. Uh, apparently it came out August 10th, 2001, and a limited release. A 6.4 on IMDb. And first time in a while, I get the highest rated movie. Because <laughs> you actually chose the highest rated movie this time. <laughs> well, a little bit of a spoiler. I, I could have picked either one of these two, but... Uh, directed by Brad Anderson. He's done quite a bit of movies, like... did this movie called The Machinist with Christian Bell. And I don't know if you've seen that movie, but... Yeah, it's just one of those movies where Christian Bale's body must have really fucking hated him. That's one of the movies, like, he, like, lost a lot of weight for, and... Ooh, just so uncomfortable watching him in that movie. And yeah, he's done quite a bit more too. Like uh, did the call with Halle Berry a few years ago. And yeah, he's still working these days. Uh, the cast got some recognizable names in here. David Caruso from CIS Miami. Yeah, the one with the sunglasses. Uh, Josh Lucas. Uh, guy's been in a bunch of like romantic comedies and. Oh, what was that? Oh, yeah, he was uh, one of the guys in uh, the original Hulk movie. Yeah, the one guy, main guy, Peter Mullen. I guess he's been in quite a few movies, too. Like, I don't think I've seen much movies with him, but yeah, he's been in quite a few stuff. And, man, it was a really long time since I watched this movie, I realized, because I forgot he was British. <laughs> he sounded Scottish. That's just... Yeah, well, yeah, he is from Scotland, yeah. Yeah, because there were some points I was like, oh, that's a grand keep of religions right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we begin with a Kirkbride Mental Health Hospital built in 1871. It's uh, being reclaimed as a town hall and renovated after being closed down nearly 15 years earlier in 1985. And this was a real... Abandoned asylum they use for this movie. I want to point out. So yeah, they really went all in for this. Hazmat uh, Elimination Company and Asbestos Removal Company, run by Gordon Fleming and his associate Phil, are the uh, first to start on the renovation of the building. the uh, The film opens with a lightly humored 
tour through the asylum led by Bill Griggs as uh, Gordon and Phil get, you know, their first glimpse of the uh, the aforementioned madhouse. Uh, distracted by uh, ghastly rooms in one hallway in particular, Gordon hears a voice call out to him, but is snack, uh, snapped back to reality by partner Phil. Uh we cut to a scene of Gordon sitting alone in his truck as he falls over pictures of his newborn and watches her and his wife as they play out front of their home. Uh, the scene is cut short by terrible screams and a haunting feeling that perhaps all is not well in the Fleming household. Yeah, a lot of uh, stock footage screams I know is, uh, oh, God, I want to say the one they used for him, like, Oh, I know that from somewhere, but oh, it's bothering me where I've heard it. At least they didn't use the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs> we got Gordon's employees, Hank, Gordon's nephew, Jeff, and we've got Mike, and a former no, law school. Huh? I got to uh, just remind you that this is a early 2000s movie, which... I guess uh, would still have 90s fashion in it, but uh, the nephew is clearly stuck in the 80s with his fucking mullet. Yeah, well, as the uh, the film glides along with uh, horror stories of old, employee banter, and Gordon's increasingly distant uh, behavior, Mike finds some old recorded sessions labeled 1 through 9 in an office while checking a generator. Hank stumbles upon coins from the 1800s in another part of the building. Uh, Mike begins stealing time away from the job to sneak downstairs and listen to the uh, recorded sessions, which are centered around patient number 444, Mary Hobbs. And I just want to point out, like, one thing I think that's enough for God to point out is, like, uh, originally they told the guy, oh, hey, this is going to be a three-week uh, job. And, like, no, let's cut it down to two. And then at the very end, they're like, hey, we can do this all in one week, man. Like, whew, a lot of pressure right there. And, uh, well, and I know, of course, I was going to lead up with that. Well, for a job that's supposed to be a one-week job, they're really not doing uh, so much work at all. Well, uh, Mary is a patient with uh, multiple personalities. As uh, the week continues, Gordon becomes more irritable. Mike continues deeper into the sessions, and uh, Hank heads back late at night for the uh, silver dollar payload and mysteriously disappears. Well, and I just want to point out, too, something. Uh, since you're going off the synopsis, uh, I know it's a lot more stuff. Like, when uh, Hank's down there, and, you know, starting to suspect somebody's there with him, he spots a... Uh, some Jiffy peanut butter and <laughs> Jiff peanut butter and a black silhouette. And, uh, well, one of the characters we see later in the flashback bringing home some uh, groceries. And what's in that? Peanut butter. Little bit of a clue. Well, after Hank's disappearance, the rest of the crew becomes more and more edgy as the week continues. Uh, Gordon's history with his distant wife comes to light. Phil's anger and impatience with Gordon becomes a factor, and all the while, Mike gets closer and closer to the end of the sessions with Mary Hobbs. Uh, you begin to see the number 444 
show more often in the film on rooms and tombstones, and Gordon reveals to Phil that he hit his wife by accident that night after their tour of the asylum. Uh, Phil... Phil seeming like a good friend at first, like, yeah, oh, don't worry, man, I'm not going to tell anybody about this, and what they do first thing in the morning, like, hey, man, Gordon hit his wife. What a dick. Oh, Phil goes to Mike with uh, this news recommending that Gordon could use some time off. All the while, unbeknownst to them, Gordon listens from around the corner. Just then, Hank is found wandering the halls by Jeff. As uh, Jeff runs to tell the others, Hank disappears again and the manhunt is on. With uh, flaring tensions between Phil and Gordon, Mike and, and Jeff. Oh. I just want to point out, like, another little thing. Earlier, you know, it was Mike, he was talking about everything about the, the uh, history of asylums and what they used to do with lobotomies. And of course, he has to point out that. Uh, you know, the only treatment for these is sunglasses. Well, treatment for the black eyes they get from the lobotomy since it's like right into their eye sockets. And what is Hank wearing when he is spotted by Jeff? Sunglasses. Probably the funniest part of this movie is like during the tension-filled moment. And Gordon tells Phil, hey, you're coming with me. And Phil's like, hey! Fuck you. <laughs> just the way they filmed that scene, it's just so out of place because it's just like zooming in on him, just stretching out that you. Fuck you. <laughs> well, swimming in a uh, sea of apprehensive paranoia, you know, for the manhunt for, uh, you know, Hank, the story reaches its climax with a shot of each character alone against the unseen villain. The uh, film is tied together as a replacement employee for Hank arrives for work and searches the seemingly abandoned hospital for Gordon and the others. Uh, they come to the room where Hank lies on the floor, still breathing. Uh, Phil tells Gordon to uh, wake up in the arrival of the, uh, the new employee. It's revealed through flashbacks that Gordon has now killed each one of his employees, nephew, wife, and child. The stress and of do- life... And had, dog, uh, too. Yeah, Major John Wick moment right there. <laughs> yeah, the stresses of life had caught up with Gordon, and after killing the man who had just arrived and realized his deadly misgivings, the film ends with Gordon apologizing to his dead wife on a broken phone, and a voice who has been calling to him throughout the film is revealed as Simon, Mary Hobbs' third personality. Simon caps the the movie as he uh, speaks on the final recorded session as the one who lives in the weak and the wounded. Uh, Oh my god. Simon's voice, man. Oh, creepiest thing ever. You know, looking through IDB, it's actually the actress's voice. They just modified it a bit just to sound like a evil demonic sounding man and good god i did a good job because like i said sends shivers down my spine every fucking time so well what do you think again i was realizing you know it's been a while since i watched this movie like the last two nights you know i actually watched this twice and well because 
the first night I really wasn't paying too much attention and then I was thinking you know what I think I do need to be paying a lot more attention to a movie of this caliber and oh boy I was fucking right and there was just so much fucking layers to this movie like uh, pointing out some clues to what's really going on I mean I can see some people might see this as kind of a slow movie i mean it is a slow burner but i think there's enough to just captivate you and i think in the end it their payoff was so worth it especially for simon man and uh, yeah all we hear is the voice we don't even see much and that's the way it should be so yeah solid effort like from a i don't think this was the guy's first movie and all but probably his first bigger type movie and he really knew what to do to build up the tension and all that so you know what i'm going with another fucking best here because yeah there is just so much more with this movie and oh it's a movie i kind of wish now we kind of waited for sean to do with because i know he would like point out a lot more things that uh I probably missed, too. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you said it. It's definitely a slow fucking movie. I I found Stir of Echoes a lot more entertaining, I think. You know, this, you know, it, it, I think this one was just a little too slow for me. Like, it's just a lot of dialogue of, blah 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 nonsense and like little scenes here and there but you know i mean it's it's only my first time watch i mean i I would definitely have to give it another chance to you know experience it you know more i guess you know I, i don't know it's 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 tough for me to gauge you know now off of you know one viewing but uh you know for my enjoyment as of right now i i'd say it, it's just okay you know it's yeah. it's not anything too special not anything i haven't seen before you know i would definitely say give it another watch sometime you know you know we'll probably notice a lot more of the things that i pointed out and you know it's just so subtle everything like i would dare say like kind of also pretty Shining-esque with how subtle everything is in this movie. Oh, God, there's so much other things I wanted to say. Fuck, fuck, fuck. What was it? God damn it. One thing I, I, I think with this one, too, is I'm really not captivated too much by the characters. Like, you look at a movie like The Shining, you're really interested in in what the characters have to say and and stuff like that. But in this one, I I really wasn't all that interested. Like, I just, I didn't have that connection that I would have liked. Okay. I mean, yeah, it could seem like a lot of these characters are kind of assholes a bit, yeah. Especially to each other, like, you know, we learn a hell of a lot more of their history, like how Hank stole Phil's girlfriend and all. I think it's a solid type movie, and again, I'm just surprised finding out that, oh shit, I really haven't been watching this movie as much as I thought I have, though. And it might be, have to be another uh, more uh, consistent Halloween time watch for me in the future. 
we ever get Sean back and <laughs> go back to doing cryospheres and all. Yeah, we definitely have to bump this up to the list because, again, like, I definitely think this is definitely one Sean would like watching and one he could definitely delve very deep into. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember if he ever said if he watched this movie before or not. Um, I'm not sure. So, yeah. like, this Simon, is it, like, supposed to be, like, a ghost that haunts, like... <clears throat> oh, yes, him? oh, thank you, you actually fucking reminded me. So, it's like, I think part of this movie is just like, okay, do we think that Gordon really did flip out, or do you think Simon influenced him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's... That makes it a little more interesting if it's, like, it's the spirit of this character. Like, it's a demon or something that has latched onto the asylum that, you know, feeds on the weak. You know, it feeds on, you know, their fears, their insecurities and shit like that, you know. And then, you know, it it just, it picks the weakest one of the bunch and it just, it it enacts its revenge. Right. I mean... I think there's so much signs that it probably just was a Simon, like, you know, because Gordon hears his voice, like, when he first enters the asylum, and we know for sure Gordon never listened to those tapes. That, you know, it just seems like <clears throat> Gordon was kind of just losing his mind a bit, that he probably didn't even really need a fucking demon to help him snap, and it's just a tension-filled job, too, I can... Especially when he just talks the guy down to like, hey, we can do this job down in one week, and which is clearly a fucking three-week job. I mean, you know, I've, I don't have any experience with um, doing uh, asbestos cleaning, but with a place that fucking big, I can't imagine that's going to be a full week to clean up. Yeah, that place was fucking huge. Yeah, and like it was like a castle times three. <laughs> and yeah, let's face it. I mean, they weren't really doing a very good job of trying to uh, get the job done in a whole week, even without the uh, fucking demon. <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely one of those movies that's just like, you know, I guess it's open to interpretation to what's really going on here, but. Uh, I kind of lean towards Simon latched onto Gordon. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, in like when they were doing the interview, he was—you could already see there was, uh, you know, influence from something already grabbing hold of him. Right. Like he's all—he was all normal before he went in, but after he came out, you could tell there was something different about him. Yeah. Yeah, of course, uh, of course, getting pasta spilled all over his lap. Yeah, probably not going to help in a lot of cases, too. It just makes me wonder, like, what happens if she doesn't spill it? Because, I mean, we don't see the flashbacks, but we hear bits and pieces of them. And it just sounds like things were going fine until he got the pasta spilled all over him. It just kind of makes you wonder what would happen had that uh, not gone down. I really wish somebody would go and do, like, a what-if style and just go, like, through all kinds of movies and just 
come up with like different alternatives to what could have happened. I mean, technically, we do have how it should have ended. <laughs> and of course, that's the more comedic look at it. Yeah. But like, say, like, you know, Star Wars Episode One, for example, right? At the end there, had, uh, you know, Maul not killed, you know, Qui-Gon. Had, uh, you know, the, the two guys won, how drastically that could have changed the outcome of the entire series. Well, actually, now that I think about it, there's a YouTube channel. Check out uh, Channel Awesome. It's got the Nostalgia Critic. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Yeah. Well, of course, there's more than just Nostalgia Critic. There's this one guy. He does, like, these kind of what-ifs. The guy's got some pretty good stuff there. Like, the guy's, like, trying to be an aspiring script writer himself, and he just comes up with these situations like, Okay, what if Venom wasn't in Spider-Man 3? And, of course, what reminded me of it is he did a what if instead of Qui-Gon dying, Darth Maul killed Obi-Wan instead. So, yeah, I check out that guy's channel because he, he had some really interesting stuff there. Yeah, so, send me uh, send me the link. Okay. So, uh, I say now, I time we take a break, discuss our last episode of the Halloween season. Hey, 
Hey, we are back. So, our final Halloween episode of the season is something, well, we realize we have not gone back to this subject in a while. In fact, you know, looking Jake, back at the... What? Slap me, slap me in the face for not uh, suggesting it sooner. Yeah, I mean... Ow! <laughs> it didn't mean it literally. <laughs> yes, I reached all the way from Iowa to New York to slap <laughs> Scott just like that. <laughs> I just got that... One hell of a reach, man. He's got that Mr. Fantastic stretch arm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking back at the episodes, it's seriously been about two years since we've covered this. That's quite a long time, considering we did this frequently back in the day. So, yeah, I haven't figured it out. We are talking about Tales from the Crypt. Why has it been a long time? We do not know, but... We're getting back to it finally because uh, well we got uh, a couple episodes left in the in the third season we have to finish yeah that's what we're doing doing episodes spoiled and yellow and all I can say is yellow has a pretty high IMDb rating so that should be interesting and then we're just gonna start off with the first two episodes of season four yeah keeping it a little bit short I mean you know don't have Sean here to do. Three on three with, so might as well. So, yeah, Tales from the Crypt, that's what you have to look forward to. And, man, again, we're realizing, haven't done this since uh, I, re- I realized this was the uh, last time we did it. It was right before Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. Damn. And it feels like we've been a while. feels like we did that, like, forever ago. Well, yeah, that's what you have to look forward to. So leave some thoughts at unholymofos at gmail.com. Or leave them on the Facebook group. That's you, uh... uh Request to join the Facebook group, or you know, we sh- we should get the notification right away. Yes, we should. Though, so, yeah, I think that's uh, really I all I have to talk about. So, hey, until Tales from the Crypt, peace out. Later, fuckers.
stopped trying I've never stopped feeling like family is much more than blood Don't go on without me The beast that I represent compliments each and everyone Let it be screamed They'll never ever take us alive